Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago. Our guest this episode is NBC and Golf Channel commentator Mark Rolfing. You can learn more about Mark's involvement with the Chicago Parks Golf Alliance at ChicagoParksGolfAlliance.org. So I think most of our readers obviously know you from your broadcasting career. Can you give a little bit of a a background on uh, your connection to Chicago and kind of how you got started in the business? Well, I was born and raised um, in Chicago. I was actually born in Evanston, uh, but spent most of my life, uh, younger life, out in DeKalb, went to high school out there, uh, all the way through high school, and then... um, Went to college at a little school down in Greencastle, Indiana, DePaul. So sort of through my all my early days, I was a real Midwest guy. And, um, you know, the Cub fan of all time back then when we were losing most of the games and stuff. Um, but I'm, you know, my Chicago roots have never sort of left me. And uh, when I got into my second year in college, my golf game started improving dramatically, and uh, instead of kind of heading in the direction I was headed career-wise, I ended up turning pro right after I graduated from DePauw, and off I went to uh, become the next Jack Nicklaus, which didn't happen. (laughs) My college roommate at DePauw, actually, he was two years older than me, but... um, who kind of was my, like, mentor guy was Dan Quayle, who became the vice president of the United States. And I majored in political science, actually have a degree in political science, and basically used that degree to play golf professionally and now be a golf announcer, which there's not much of a connection there. So that's kind of where I grew up. I, I actually have a um, master's degree from northern Illinois out in the Cal, too, so... I have a lot of Chicago ties, played all my junior golf in Chicago, um, you know, did did the whole Western Amateur, all that kind of stuff. So I, I really grew up in the game in Chicago. So you said something uh, there that I don't hear very often, and I don't think many golfers hear very often, is my golf game improved dramatically. Can you tell us what happened during that period where you saw this dramatic improvement was it a specific coach or was just kind of what came together that that helped us along i'm not sure what it was i was pretty good in high school you know i was i was the number one player in high school and number one player in the region but i was not by any means um division one college material i didn't feel like maybe maybe could have been possibly by my senior year but uh, something happened in college, um, and it wasn't because of instruction so much as I think just me maturing as a player. Um, I won won a college tournament, and right after I won my first one, um, things really changed. You know, I kind of got got a lot of confidence, and then I started getting pretty serious about uh, about the game and started getting some good instruction, and by the time I graduated uh, college, felt like I was good enough to to compete professionally and decided I was going to give it a crack. So I played uh, pretty much full-time for the 
better part of three years. Went to two PGA Tour qualifying schools, but never made it through either one. So I ended up playing mostly internationally, played the whole European Tour two years, Asian Tour one year, a lot of mini tours. And by the end of the, the third year, pretty much knew that I wasn't PGA Tour material. So then uh, can you explain to us then where did the um, connection between you and Hawaii come from? Was that uh, to accept the job in Hawaii? How did you go from here to Hawaii? I had met, uh, met a girl that I really liked um, out in California um, that I had started seeing and had played in the Hawaiian Open that year. Uh, which was uh, in February of that year. That was February of 75. And decided that I I kind of liked Hawaii and met this gal and said one day to her, let's go out to Hawaii. You want to go out there for a week and have some fun? And I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Um, it was right after the qualifying school in December of 75, where I missed again, missed qualifying again for the second time. So no PGA Tour card. You know, the prospect was that basically I was going to go back to Asia and Europe again, and I just decided I, I kind of knew, uh, you know, really, I don't know how to put it, I wasn't good enough, basically. So anyway, we went out there, and um, I just for some reason... Um, I, I ended up over on Maui, and this new resort, Kapalua, was just being developed. There was nothing there, and I did my usual sort of snooping around, looking at things, played golf there, and um, the next thing you knew, I had taken a job. My first job there was in the cart barn washing golf carts, and we. she loved the place. Um, she took a job. Um, cocktailing down at the Sheraton Maui, and we just decided that that was a place we were going to stay for a little while, and our relationship was really good, and so off I went and um, started washing golf carts, pretty soon became the assistant pro, and then sort of moved up through the organization and um, spent better part of eight years kind of doing various things at Kapalua Resort on Maui. Um, still playing a lot of golf, you know, section, Aloha section. You know, I was still a pro, so I won some tournaments out there. And, um, you know, I, 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 I wasn't really competitive, but I my game was still in good enough shape that um, I was able to, you know, play pretty well. At a, at a fairly high level. Uh, and then the big break for me came in 1985 uh, when I won a car in the Kapalua tournament, which was a postseason tournament at the time that I, that I played in every year. And uh, I got taken up to the uh, 18th Tower for an interview. And um, Lou Trevino was the analyst, and I kind of, got on with those guys and uh, 
after the show was over, the producer asked me to come back the next day. That was on a Friday. To make a long story short, I ended up going back up to the tower all three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Kapalua, and that was the 1985 tournament. So that was nine years after I'd gone out there. And um, they offered me a job to audition as an announcer the following week at uh, the World Cup in Palm Springs on ESPN. Uh, the producer did, and off I went. So I think we're we're hearing a theme here with with I guess your career is that you're you are the type of person that goes out and kind of seeks things out, and then uh, subsequently attracts a lot of opportunity. Would you say that that's kind of how your you know your broadcasting career has evolved as you as you've you know matured? Yeah, you know, there was, um, yeah, I I would say yes, Um, you're quite perceptive there. Um, I see opportunity, I I got some great breaks at the time, and the thing you have to remember back then, there was no David Faraday, there was no Gary McCord, the the golf analysts on television were basically only the guys that had won major championships. Um, You know, it was Venturi at CBS and Trevino and, uh, Jack Nicholas was doing some at um, ABC, but if you didn't, if you hadn't won a major, you had no chance really. Um, and so, after the the week after the Kapalua event, I went to Palm Springs and auditioned uh, at the World Cup as an on-course commentator, and basically they hired me on the spot. And so, my first full year at ESPN and the first year of my broadcast career was '86. And um, I, I worked two years at ESPN, and halfway through the second year, NBC came and offered me a job, and um, I sort of became the common man golfer announcer because I still hadn't won any major championships or any PGA Tour events or anything like that. So, um, yeah, there was an opportunity, and I had a lot of good breaks and kind of was in the right place at the right time. So I think that makes a perfect segue into uh, the topic of the Chicago Parks Golf Alliance uh, because it, it definitely combines uh, having the vision to take the potentially take these two courses and merge them into one, say, super course. And then, you know, it also is just as you talked about, there's the element of the common man as having actual golfers who play those courses on a, on a daily basis be involved as well as potentially – hopefully the PGA Tour. Can you talk a little bit about how the the idea of this project came about and uh, maybe even take a step back further? What is the Chicago Parks Golf Alliance? Yeah, so if I'm talking too fast, slow me down. Or, uh, I, I'm assuming you're recording, but I'll, I'll try and tell it in as brief a fashion as I can. But basically, um, you know, I was away from Chicago, although I, I came back to Chicago regularly and, Still, you know, love Wrigley in the summer more than any place in America, probably, except for Pebble Beach and places like that. But I came back uh, in 2012 for the Ryder Cup at Medina, and I did a series of Road to the Ryder Cup preview shows for that Ryder Cup, and that's really when I fell in love with golf in Chicago again. Uh, so that was really 2011 and I um, started 
during that year for these three preview shows, I spent a lot of time sort of getting re-engaged in the Chicago golf scene, uh, even to the point where I did a couple of um, specials on NBC for the two Chicago Visitors Bureau folks, um, and started to remember how much I loved golf in Chicago, and and really, I, I started thinking again, Chicago is America's greatest golf town, which it, um, and I, I, I literally fell in love with Chicago golf again. So we did a big, couple of big initiatives in and around the Ryder Cup, and for the next couple of years after that, I started spending more time um, just looking around at Chicago and seeing what I thought may or may not be the possibilities there, because I, um, you know, work work basically on the mainland and live in Hawaii, and I needed a a base. Um, and I, I found myself going to Chicago quite a bit, in and out, easy to get in and out of, centrally located. Um, and then the real, real thing that happened was I, I met some of the folks from the Chicago Park District and started having conversations about um, sort of the core of Chicago golf, which uh, it became apparent to me that the core, the golf courses really in the in the core of the city were not, you know, up to the caliber of the suburban golf courses. And Chicago's golf reputation primarily uh, had been and was continuing to be built on suburban golf. Thirteen U.S. Opens in Chicago, eight different courses, all of them, you know, in the outer, outer Chicagoland area. And I started thinking, you know, is there a way to rejuvenate, polish, renovate, restore, whatever, you know, the core of Chicago golf? Um, and I and I didn't see it. I, I couldn't see it for a couple of years. Got a really bad cancer. Um, really, really tough one in August of 2015. It was the week before the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits and um, had to have, uh, it was a stage four salivary gland cancer and the tumor was removed at the University of Chicago. Um, and during my recovery period after that, I found myself at Jackson Park, which is right next door. So it was really the, um, the summer of 2015 when I became totally engaged in thinking there is a tremendous opportunity in Chicago. And the one I was seeing right in front of my very eyes was Jackson Park and South Shore. And here I found these two courses that were both over 100 years old, totally underutilized, um, it was in the summertime. I couldn't figure out where all the kids kids were. How come these courses aren't just packed with kids? Um, and I started seeing an opportunity. Uh, and that opportunity then grew. Uh, and I, I began talking with people about it, not only in the Chicago area, but all around the world of golf and saying, wow, you know, I'm seeing an opportunity in Chicago. Um, that really intrigues me. I love the town. And um, and then the opportunity grew even bigger when the Obama Library Presidential Center 
decided that they were going to go in at um, that location on Cornell, just right adjacent to Jackson Park, and that was really the thing that pushed me over the edge to say, you know what, um, this area could really use some rejuvenation when it comes to golf, and I think that could be a game changer, not only for that part of the community, but for the future of urban golf. You know, is there a way to create a a model here for the future of sustainable urban golf? And so that was the mission that I sort of created for myself. And uh, I've spent the last couple of years as the cheerleader of the project, which is basically what I do. I, you know, probably my greatest strength is getting people together when I see an opportunity or a mission. And I saw one here that I thought was really, really um you know, a good one. That I thought I thought there was a chance to do something that would really change the game. And uh, my stage of the career, my career right now, that's that's the only thing that would interest me in a project. What could really be a game changer? And and this became it. So it it really does make sense as far as the Mark Rolfing journey that here you're you're faced with maybe your greatest adversity, and then you see this opportunity that could change your life and, and certainly, as you said, uh, be a huge game changer for for the city of Chicago and of golf. At, at what point in, then did you start to uh, push the project forward and, and then make the connection with uh, the presidential library? Was it when you started to talk with you know the city and, and get the mayor involved? How did the, the connection with yeah, the, the mayor? President? Okay. Yeah, the mayor, um, I first talked with the mayor about it in May of 2016. So that hasn't even been a year now. And um, it was clear to me that he he felt like there was an opportunity here. He's not really a golfer, but um, he, he, it was interesting. He had pointed out to me that there was no real sort of central Chicago golf organization or one person that was kind of the face of Chicago golf, because uh, I kept asking, why hasn't this been done before, or why, why isn't there some organization here, you know, that um, has as its mission rejuvenating Chicago golf, and nobody really had the answer to that. The Western Golf Association is, you know, the one of the most iconic golfers associations in the world um, but their mission is totally different they don't their mission is not um, rejuvenating Chicago golf so there was a, a big void there and and I think I just was at the right place at the right time and the stars aligned and the mayor kind of said go do it you're my guy you're my golf guy figure it out um, and you know there were there were two key elements really that had to come into place well three of them, but the first one was already done, and that was Obama and the Presidential Center. Once that move was announced to be at Jackson Park, um, that, you know, number one goal was ticked off my list of three things I had to do. Second thing was I had to um, try to figure out if there was a way to have an event or an anchor marketing, branding sort of feel to what we were doing, because... I didn't feel like all of a sudden we could just go to Jackson Park and South Shore and say we're going to 
we're going to really make this place great and it's going to make a difference without having some some anchor to it and uh, when the western golf association agreed to become a partner and when they agreed that if the right thing was done there uh, that we could have ourselves a tournament uh, someday it, it really was a game changer uh, because i've always felt like um it's unbelievable to me that Chicago doesn't have um, a permanent PGA Tour event anymore. We have a FedEx Cup playoff event every other year, and the LPGA comes to town, and, you know, we'll have a senior event here and there. But, um, you know, I, I'm just old enough that the Western Open, you know, when I played in the years, uh, which was all the way back when it rotated venues, that was, you know, one of the top five golf tournaments in the world, really. So, um, the the partnership with the Western Golf Association, when they said, hey, if, if we can come together and do this thing right, um, the, the event can sort of be the hub, the anchor of our whole initiative. That, that really changed things for me. Uh, and then Tiger. So so there we were, and everybody said, we want to do this, we want to do this. What, how are we going to do it? Um, and I had talked to a number of, people that I've worked with over the years uh, and had a number of different people come and look at the property and look at what the opportunities were. Um, you know, starting with Ben Crenshaw, who's really the only guy, Corin Crenshaw, uh, that I've been involved with in, in um, golf course development. I was obviously involved with them out at Kapalua on Maui. That was their first course. And uh, then I was involved as one of the founding guys at Sand Hills in Nebraska shortly after that. So I, I probably, in my mind, at least thought that I was likely Ben Crenshaw, um, you know, would be involved if, if I was going to be sort of the um, organizer of this thing. But the real thing that changed everything was the day that the President of the United States called up Tiger Woods and said, hey, Tiger, there's... Uh, you know, there's an initiative going on up in Chicago with the Presidential Center and uh, talk about the golf courses maybe being renovated and um, they're going to be the front yard of the Presidential Center and I love golf and I'm going to move back there someday and you should get involved. And so um, that one really changed things and uh, Tiger ended up coming up to Chicago. That would have been in August of last year, not very long ago. That was only five months ago, literally. We spent a day, um, and I, I, you know, I was, I don't know what is the right word here. I, I certainly didn't think Tiger was going to walk in there and say, oh, this is the greatest opportunity I've ever seen, and, and I'm in. I, I was reticent, I think, about what he would think. Ha. You know, I think I probably believed he was going to say this is too complicated or this is going to take too long. But uh, in one day it became clear to me that Tiger um, saw the same opportunity that I had seen, um, which was where are all the kids? He must have said to me ten times that day, where are all the kids? It was, I think, August 11th maybe. It was a beautiful summer day in Chicago. And... There were no kids out there playing golf. And so um, we spent that day and talked and looked at 
at the courses and talked about the physical constraints and roads and how do you get from South Shore to Jackson. And um, I think he had a little bit of a concern about some of those logistics. But more than anything, he talked about kids, 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 and what can we do? This seems to be, you know, a great opportunity above and beyond whether or not the third hole is a par three or a par four or where we start, where we finish, where does the clubhouse go? Um, he became engaged, at least in, in his mind, I think, that day with the initiative, and that is this, this is an opportunity to change the neighborhood, I believe, and change the way golf um, going forward in a lot of urban areas can be a driving force in um, education, jobs, just a lot of things. And so uh, once he got, in his mind, committed to it and saying, I really want to do this, we can make a difference here in Chicago, I then had, you know, the President of the United States, Tiger Woods. Um, that's a pretty good start. So um, that's sort of how it happened. So you've, you've mentioned a, uh, a number of different audiences that this project kind of serves. Obviously the kids, it's your local golfers, it's the connection to uh, the city, like you said, where we just don't really have a, a, a Chicago base, anything that we could say this is the, the, the base of golf in Chicago, uh, the connection with the library. Um, at what point in time did you start to think that this could be a possibility? Was it when all these things started building up? Or, you know, you talked about the linchpin being when Tiger, you know, joined in. But in your own mind, you know, I know you, you probably had to think, well, maybe, maybe. And then at what point did you say, I think we're going to do this. That point, he's going to kill me, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, that point came the day that Mike Kaiser went to South Shore. So pretty early on, I would say maybe two years ago, I went and saw Mike Kaiser, who was one of the founding guys with me at Sand Hills, who I've known you know, for years, and who uh, obviously has done a lot of work with Ben Crenshaw and Bill Coeur, but I went and saw Mike, told him what I was thinking about South Shore and Jackson. This was right after my cancer, actually. Um, and he said, Mark, <laughs> you're dreaming. You know, it's a beautiful vision. It's wonderful. Um I just, he said, there will there'll be so many roadblocks. I, he said, I'm giving you a one out of a hundred chance to get this thing together. And I said, okay. You know, he kind of said, come back and see me when you got something. <laughs> he goes, if anybody can do it, you can do it. But you're going to, you're just going to run into all kinds of roadblocks. And so, Mike and I continued to talk and continued to talk, you know, for about a year. And this was before Tiger. This was before the library making the decision. This was really before sort of anything um, material happening. And as we started getting people interested and 
people looking at it and saying, wow, maybe, maybe you could do this or maybe you could do that. Um, and then one day he said, you know, I got to hand it to you. I'm giving this a 50-50 chance. Now I want to go down and look at it. That would have been January now. That would have been last fall, early fall, maybe four or five months ago. Anyway, he went down there and saw physically what the opportunities were. I don't know that he had ever been on South Shore or even seen the Cultural Center. I guess maybe he had, but he he left that visit down there being very enthused and saying, I think, um, I think this can work. You can't compromise. You got to do it right beginning to end. Um, and the programs that you create are going to be just as important as the golf holes themselves. Um, caddies, he talked a lot about, you know, why don't we, why don't we get, you know, kids involved in caddying and get the Western Golf Association involved and make it be as much of, of a walking course as we can and, and, uh, start creating some jobs right away, not four years from now, but right now and just, Let's let's start trying to rejuvenate things now. He said if we do that, um, he told me he would be willing to sort of take on a role in fundraising um, because what what we discussed was how can we create a model here where the the money that's used to renovate the park is not, I mean the golf is not taxpayer money, but is private money so that there's no real true cost associated with the golf that would then cause them to have to charge green fees that people couldn't afford. So Mike and subsequently a few other people that are close to him um, helped me create basically the model that we're now going to use, which was the formation of of the 501c3 uh, and basically bring in private money to fund the restoration of the golf courses that is not the people's money, but yet at the end, the people are going to own the course. It's never been done that I know of in golf. It it happens regularly in city parks. It's a lot like Millennium Park, and Mike was one of the founding donors at Millennium Park. So that model is that private money went in to build that park for all the people to enjoy. We're, We're emulating that model in some ways now, that private money is restoring these golf courses for the golf community, and hopefully that golf community gets bigger and bigger and more and more people and kids and all the things that I've talked to you about. But it, it's a pretty cool model if it works, which I think it will now, um, that this is private money building it, yet in the end the people own it in the city. So I have uh, two final questions for you. Uh, number one, five years from now, if everything would roll out like you'd like it to see, what would you envision for this project? What, what are the kind of the impacts that you, you see that this project could have on the city and in golf and, and in the community? I, I would, first of all, see a rejuvenated interest in the game with the kids where um, – there's a first tee component. There's a short course component where we're 
addressing all the issues that golf has right now. There are three main challenges we have anywhere in the game, regardless of whether it's downtown Chicago or the middle of Nebraska. The game is too expensive, it takes too long, and it's too difficult. How do we deal with all three of these? And and every decision we make at Chicago um, on this project literally has those components in mind. So I see... um, I see programs starting this summer at Jackson Park that have never, you know, never been instituted. You know, kids play free. Are they going to be able to play free this summer? Probably not. But when this opens, uh, four years from now, and it's totally restored, the goal is that kids under the age of 17 get to play free. I want to introduce them to the game um, because I think there's there's so much that can happen in and around that. And if you do that, then the parents become engaged. And pretty soon the neighborhood uh, really starts looking at this as their pride and joy. That This is going to be such a tremendous boost, I think, to the area. And I think it will create um, in the perimeters of the golf course just, you know, lots of opportunities for, for that whole area to change. I think golf can do it. I've seen it done. In Atlanta, I've seen it done in other places, and um, it just happened, hasn't happened in Chicago because nobody's been able to find the right mix to take advantage of an opportunity. And I got lucky here, and the stars sort of all aligned. And um, I see five years from now the BMW Championship being played at this golf course, whatever we decide the name of it is. Um, Maybe someday a President's Cup. Who knows? It Physically, it's got all the qualities of a championship course. There is plenty of room to build, you know, one of the greatest urban courses in America. I'm totally convinced we can do that. It has, because of the size of the park district uh, and their role in the community, you don't have to build any tournament infrastructure within the golf courses themselves, they got parking all over the place at Soldier Field, um, you, you name it. So I see the tournament um, as being a big anchor that everybody's going to look forward to four or five years from now when it's done. But in the meantime, I see us starting first tee initiatives there, um, getting the high school teams in the area back to playing Jackson Park and not traveling 45 minutes, parents taking their kids out to Glenwoody all the time. Um, I just see sort of a a rejuvenation of, hey, nothing's going to change physically at Jackson Park this summer, but I hope culturally it does change uh, and that people start to realize what a restoration like this could do. And I've spent a lot of time in the community over the last couple of years and talked to a lot of people. And I think they're seeing it. Um, we're not taking park land and building golf course. The golf courses that are already there, we're not going outside the envelope of what's existing at all. But the benefits that are going to be provided to this city, like they're going to be able to go across Lakeshore Drive by going through a tunnel there that connects the two courses. They can't. They have difficulty getting out to that beach now. I think the lakefront is going to get restored as part of this, um, which needs to happen anyway. But most importantly, these courses are both over 100 years old and haven't really had much 
you know, capital improvement over that time. This would have to be done anyway, otherwise they would decay and eventually not be feasible, I think. So this is obviously probably the most exciting project we've had here in a very long time. Uh, let's end with a question then. This might be your di most difficult question to answer is, what are your favorite courses in the Chicagoland area, both private and public? Oh, my favorite courses are whatever ones I'm going to play next. Um, I, I've i always been... Um, I, I've always loved public golf. I don't know why. I, you know, I played most of my junior golf and amateur golf in Chicago at the great clubs that had the championship courses, the Olympia Fields, the Medinas, the, those kind of places. Um, I, I love Butler National. I, you know, it's maybe the greatest test in Chicago. Medina number three is obviously great. So is Olympia Field. Um, but then if you if you sort of go from that level down, my my favorite courses in the Chicago area were always the ones like sort of the – I've always loved Shore Acres. Um, I, I was a, a more of a north side guy, so uh, I really like, for example, some of the things where courses have been restored like on Wencia. I love what they did at on Wencia. Uh, which is a lot like what you saw happened at Oakmont, where um, they're kind of going back to what the original design and mission was, and there's been a lot of tree, um, you know, removal from trees that were either dead or dying and, you know, opening up areas that allowed the turf to grow because it could get sun. So, I, I, you know, I love, the, I love kind of some of the smaller... Um, really good quality courses. I'd put Shore Acres and on Wincy in that. But when I really think about it, my my greatest golf memories in Chicago in some ways are from Waveland. I can't quite figure out why we call it Sydney R. Meredith's golf course now, but um, I love that place, and I still do. And I think someday not the not too distant future that will be part of this whole chicago golf restoration i don't think this restoration and rejuvenation is going to be um just simply confined to south shore and jackson park uh, i think i think it will have way more legs and tentacles to that now people want to see projects that work they don't want to see pie in the sky stuff but as we start accumulating folks around town that are really interested in the golf, and not just um, the Mike Kaisers of the world, but, you know, we've got so many people in the community down uh, in Hyde Park and in those areas that really are now saying, hey, this is a great idea. We want to get behind it. I think what you're going to see is, is sort of the rejuvenation of Chicago golf starting at the core which is the park district courses and working its way all the way out to, you know, the far suburbs. But the, the core of the city is what I'm looking at right now. Well, this has been great, Mike. Uh, Mark, I'm sorry. I really appreciate the time. I think we've covered so much here. And, yeah, I don't uh, know how you're going to write this. I've told you way too much. <laughs> but, um, you, no, it's you great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it all, and we've got a lot to cover here. 
Well, and we should be doing this on a regular basis for a while here, like maybe four or five years. Uh, let yeah, me give you my cell like number. It. Yeah, let me okay. give you my cell number. Sure. It is okay. um, eight, 808. 808. 870-2759. Okay. 2759. Okay. And call, call me anytime. I'm sure you're going to have more questions after these questions because I just was all over the place but I think I gave you hopefully enough of sort of the history of it um, I, I think you kind of see what's happened here it's hard to explain yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah there's a lot to it and you know what I what we have seen uh, is just in terms of our readers is that there's a huge appetite for this project so I think Continuing this dialogue and expanding it, I think, is, is what you've done here, is going to help out a lot, and hopefully we can help you keep the ball rolling because this is... Like yeah, well, thank you much. I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how this ball is rolling right now. It's exceeded my expectations, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's a lot of momentum, and I think that's good, and there'll be some naysayers, there's no question, but uh, we have really, I think, turned the tide with some of the naysayers in the last month. We've had a lot of community meetings and a lot of one-on-ones. I've talked to, um, on the phone, a number of people in the community and parents and things like that that just once they understand really what the vision is here and that we're not coming in and tearing the place up and building all kinds of new stuff and taking away park space, I, I think we're trying to basically bring back what was there. The reason that South Shore didn't work as a club, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, whenever it closed down, was because it was exclusive. It, it doesn't work like that. It, it needs to be an inclusive place. So every single decision that we're going to make and have made uh, has been based around how do we make this inclusive for everybody in the community, and it's got to be affordable and accessible in order to make it inclusive. That sounds like the, the the right idea. And on behalf of every Chicago golfer, thanks for putting the uh, the effort in here and, and doing all the work that you've done, which is, like you said, there's always going to be challenges. So I'm I I'm pretty energized, excited. as you can tell by talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm actually yeah, no. at, I'm in Houston at the Super Bowl, you know, and I'm – I'm still, I spend more time talking about this Chicago golf project. I mean, everybody's talking about it everywhere. Um, Even the Houston Golf Association people who are trying to rejuvenate some of the public courses in Houston um, keep saying, you know, how did you figure this thing out in Chicago? And I said, hey, hey, by the way, I haven't quite figured it out yet. I'm on the track. We still have a long way to go. But um, the key in Chicago is that, People are donating money to this. They're not investing. This is not an investment. When you when you make a donation to the Chicago Park Golf Alliance, you're doing it for the betterment of growing the game and changing the community, just like you would be a park. Um, and you know, in a lot of other places, they try to do things like this, but and bring in private money. But when it becomes an investment, people expect a return on the investment. And the return on the donation that people are going to get in Chicago really is they will have done something that has made that community a lot better. This has been the Chicago Golf Report Podcast. 
Visit ChicagoGolfReport.com right now for exclusive discount offers, Chicago golf news, and in-depth event listings. 